This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Rule breaking has always been a problem. It began with the first human beings on earth, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, broke the one and only. Do you realize that? One and only thou shalt not. They broke it. And since then, you, you've done a pretty good job of following in their footsteps of breaking rules. And I have too. Rule breaking always begins fairly early in our lives. As babies, we learn to go against mommy and daddy. You know, they say, no, no, Joe, no, no. And we learn ways to go against them. And they say that practice makes perfect. And so by the time we reach our early teens, we become masters at rule breaking. We leave our early teens, our teenage years, and morph into adults. Rule breaking becomes even more sophisticated. And the adult version goes like this. If I don't like a rule, or if I think the rule is not relevant for me, then in my mind I don't necessarily break it. You know, I I just disregard it. You know, that's different than breaking it. That's what we think. And because I don't think it was applicable for me, I go to bed at night feeling no guilt. And you may not be willing to admit this as holy and righteous Christians in a holiness church, but I think that all of us in moments of honesty could think of multiple situations where we have done this. For example, some of you on First Street going north from Carmen Road to Woods Grocery Store, the posted speed limit is what? 25. 25 miles an hour. But from Woods Grocery Store south to Carmen Road, it's not posted. And I was researching that this past week, and, and, and it says that, well, sometimes it's 50 miles an hour if it's a county road, and this is a county road. Sometimes it's 35 if that's what the, you know, the area would deem that. And, and so I, I didn't know, so I, I called my good friend, uh, chief of police, and I said, tell me, what is the speed limit going south on First Street from Woods Grocery Store to Carmen Road? And he said, it's actually 25. And uh, I know some of you thought, oh, I'm a rule breaker. And, but, but anyway, we evaluate that discrepancy, 25 one way, not posted another way. And so we say, you know what, I'm just going to make it 50 miles an hour both ways. <laughs> or split the difference, whatever. Or we say it doesn't make sense because on Highway 54 from Eldorado Springs west to Nevada, what is it, 65 miles an hour. Highway 54 east to Collins, what is it? 60 miles an hour. And then to further show how the, the speed uh, you know, limits are, are just totally whacked out here in, uh, on our highways in this area, Highway 32 south to Stockton is what? 55 miles an hour. So, so we say all of this confusion, I'm just going to simplify things and make all of our highways around here 75 or whatever. <laughs> Regardless of whether it's a speed infraction or something else, I think without exception, all of us have chosen to disregard a rule or disregard a law or disregard a commandment because we didn't like it or thought it was irrelevant. Now, we began this series last week called Distorted. And and in a nutshell, the, the premise of this whole series is that there's an invisible world that impacts our visible world. And, and if you believe in God, you're halfway there. But it's the other half that we tend to ignore. 
And last week we learned that Jesus told us in the book of John that there is another unseen power. It's the devil. And his goal is to take a little bit of truth, mix it with a lie, and totally distort principles to where we are then led astray. So what we're going to do today and over the next couple of weeks is to look at some of the big distortions that have confused the way we think about morality, ethics, marriage, and everything else. Now, I've set up our lesson by talking about rule breaking, but we're going to go way deeper than the simple matter of breaking rules. And, And we want to look at a root cause that's behind a lot of the deviant behavior in our world today. And one of those root causes falls under the word of authority. Say the word authority with me. One, two, three, authority. Now, just as a warning, what we will talk about today from God's word will go directly against what culture tells us to do. In fact, we've been so programmed by culture and programmed by the devil to disregard human authority so that when we do so, we feel good about ourselves because we showed them, we stood up to them, we ain't going to let them tell us what to do. But the problem with that disregard of authority is that it pushes us onto a slippery slope that makes it much easier to then disregard God's authority. Now, let me just make a couple of things clear. Last week, the sermon was a bit straightforward. You were kind. Many of you affirmed me. Thank you. I always appreciate that. But, but some of your comments, even though I appreciated them, made me think that in this series, you're expecting me. Here's what you're expecting me to do. You're thinking that this series is going to be a pep rally against certain sins and distortions of marriage. And you want me to call out sinners and refer to them in derogatory terms. If that's what you're expecting, that's not going to happen. You know, we tend to want the pastor to call out sin, especially related to those areas where we aren't guilty. But, but the deviant behaviors that have surfaced in marriage and other behaviors in our country go way deeper than what we see. So along with looking at the fruit of the sin, we will also look at the root of the sin, which probably will implicate most of us here today. Now, when it comes to authority, I'm like you. I'm all for authority, especially when I'm the one in authority. I I, I love what the Bible says about men being the head of our household. I mean, that's great, at least in theory. The scripture of children obey your parents. I love that verse. It's, it's, It's one of my favorite verses because I'm the parent. And then I like being the authority and the head pastor of this church. Even though some of you, instead of calling me the head pastor, you've called me the head hog or the top dog. And that doesn't offend me at all as long as I get to be the head. I think authority is great when I'm the authority. I'm also for the authority of our law enforcement officers as as long as I see their blue lights ahead of me instead of behind me. I'm all for authority as long as the city council agrees with me. I'm all for authority as long as my grandchild is not the one that gets in trouble at school. But here's where the twist or the distortion comes in. And and pay attention because we will continually keep coming back to this. 
Our tendency is to evaluate the rules or evaluate the laws. And, and today we will refer to those laws or those rules as the what. Our tendency is to evaluate the what and ask, okay, what am I being asked to do? You know, whether it's your parents, whether it's your boss, whether it's the government, whether it's the educational system, our first line response to authority is to evaluate the what. What are they asking me to do? What rules are they wanting me to follow? Now, the distortion in our thinking comes in when we disagree with the what. And, and if we disagree with the what and think we can get by with it, what do we do? We disregard the rule the law, or the commandment. You know, for example, if I think that the posted speed limit is too slow, and if I think I can get by without those blue lights coming up behind me, I'll just go the speed limit that I want to go. If I think that the rules that the company has asked me to follow are out of date, or especially if I don't see anybody else following those procedures or those rules, I'll just disregard those rules. And when I do that, I don't go to bed feeling guilty nor confess it as a sin because I evaluated that rule or that law. I came to the conclusion I'm a smart person and I determined that this rule is just dumb or it's irrelevant or unnecessary. So I shouldn't have to follow it. Now, granted, if all we're talking about, should the speed limit be 25 or 35 or stuff like that, we wouldn't even bring this up today. This message is not about speeding. You know, if you speed, you get caught, pay the fine, let your insurance go up $200 a year, you go on. Not a big deal. But breaking rules becomes a little bit more emotional and a little bit more impactful when we bump the implications up a notch and think about a 16-year-old boy getting into a car as the driver with three of his 16-year-old buddies and they've been able to talk an older friend out of a couple of six-packs of beer. And these four 16-year-olds are thinking, you know, this whole thing about under, underage drinking, I, I mean, it's probably a good rule for the average 16-year-old that hasn't fully developed in his physique, but we're football players. We're big guys, and we're not average 16-year-olds. And, and the open container law, you know, drinking and driving law, that, that's okay when it comes to the hard stuff. This is just beer. We put down a lot of beer. And, and two six-packs divided between four of us, we can handle it without compromising our safety. And so the stakes are significantly higher as this 16-year-old takes the wheel, drinks and drives, and just because he disagrees with the law, he feels justified in disregarding it. Maybe, just like his dad disregarded some cash income when he was filling out his income tax, maybe just like his mom disregarded what her doctor told her and so she secretly went to two other doctors in different towns. None of them know about each other. And she gets triple the oxys because what do doctors know? I mean, what do pharmacists know? They don't know my pain. And there isn't a twinge of guilt because the son, the dad, the mom have justified their actions because it's all about the what. But when you open scripture... You find a totally different paradigm. 
And I will let you know that when we begin unpacking these verses practically to where they intersect with our everyday lives, some of you are going to push back a little bit. Some of you, you're going to be thinking this, I'm not sure, Joe, that's what Scripture means. I mean, Pastor, you know, I, di- I agree with you most of the time, but I-, I-, I disagree with you on this because this is kind of what I think. And, and-, and that's okay. At least it may give you some fodder for discussion for your lunch. But could I just urge you for a few moments without getting too upset, let down your guard. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us today. And here's where we're going. When it comes to rules, as I said, we focused on the what. And, and God says, yes, the what is definitely very important. But God would also say when it comes to rules and laws and commandments, the main focus should be on the who. Who said this? Who is the one who asked us to keep this rule or law or commandment? Now, to help us understand this concept, we're going to go to the book of Romans. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. They're in the New Testament. Paul wrote this letter to Christians who lived where? In Rome. Romans lived in Rome. Now, before we read our scripture, because some of you will be quick to point out how wicked our political leaders are in this country and and so you will be saying, you know what, this scripture really doesn't apply to us because, you know, we're messed up. For those of you, let me give you the setting. At this time in history, in first century Rome, there weren't very many Christians. In fact, if you were a Christian in Rome in the first century, things were not good for you because the emperor was Nero. We've talked about him a lot. Christians and Nero were not a good mix. Nero set the city of Rome on fire, blamed it on Christians. He dipped Christians into tar, impaled them on poles, lit them on fire to provide light for his gardens by night. He actually did that. He fed Christians to wild animals. Christians didn't fare very well under Nero. So when Paul talks about authority and government in our scripture, he's referring to this government of Nero that was wicked, evil, cruel, persecuted Christians, If you can imagine this, it was way worse than Washington, D.C. Just so you know. So, here's what Paul writes, Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Everyone. So, referring to all of the Christians in Rome, but because Scripture also was written to us, everyone means you, me, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. We probably better call a full time out here and talk about this. And perhaps our first response is, well, well, Paul, you you surely don't mean that we're supposed to submit to ruling authorities that are not conservative in their values. and, And we're not supposed to submit to authorities that promote behaviors that do not line up with the Bible. You don't mean that, do you, Paul? And plus, Shouldn't we just kind of take this line item by line item and, and evaluate each law and each rule and make a decision on each one? I mean, Paul, do you even know what the rulers were like in Rome? And, and you certainly don't know what our rulers are like here in America. Paul goes on. For there is no authority except that which God has established. So what is Paul saying? 
Paul is saying God established the authority of Nero. And before we read this next phrase, some of you might want to take some Tums. Because this next phrase will cause you heartburn. There's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist, so again, Paul was referring to the, the authority of, of Nero, the killer of Christians. And, and, and for us today, he's referring to President Joe Biden. And he's referring to, you can fill in the names of others in Congress that maybe are pushing abortion rights and gay rights and whatever else. These are the authorities that exist. They have been established by God. You've taken Tums for your heartburn. Now you need to take some Ativan to calm your nerves. This is teaching that God always works through human authority. Good human authority, bad human authority. Righteous human authority, unrighteous human authority. Believing human authority, unbelieving human authority. God works through human authority and submission to that authority then becomes a spiritual issue. To which some of you teens, you might say, okay, pastor, if what you're saying is correct, that if God established human authority, that means that he established my parents as my authority. And so that, are you saying that if I disobey my parents, that's like a spiritual issue? Yep. I I thought all the parents would say, amen, glory, hallelujah. Or, or if I disobey the school rules, that's like a spiritual issue? Yep. Or if I kind of slack at work and cheat my boss, that's a spiritual issue? Yeah. Or if I kind of hedge a little bit and not report all of my cash income for my income tax, that's a spiritual issue? Yeah. Because God established all human authority. Paul's just getting started. That's just verse 1. Verse 2 goes on and he says, Consequently, he who rebels against the authority, so he who rebels against Nero or rebels against our current authorities, like some Christians proudly do, is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Let's bring this really close to home. If you as a teenager would say, you know, my parents have given me this rule, but they're, they're kind of naive, you know, like typical parents, they're out of touch. And so I'm going to just disregard this rule. Or, or if you would say, you know, my company says that I need to do this, but this is dumb and I'm not going to do that. But, but having said that, God, you know, when, when it comes to you, I want you to know I love you so much. I love your word. I love to read your word. I love you, Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Paul says if you think you can evaluate and make line item decisions on rules and laws and commandments, this is shocking right here. He says you have fallen for the same sin that Adam and Eve fell for in the Garden of Eden. Because remember the devil came and said, hey, let's evaluate this rule of you know, do not eat from this particular tree. I mean, does that make any sense? God's a loving God. The fruit's not poison. Let's evaluate this rule. 
when we begin evaluating rules and commandments, picking and choosing, we have fallen just like Adam and Eve did. And so God says to you and to me, your attitude and my attitude and your response and my response to our human authorities is a reflection of our attitude to our Father in heaven. Our response to the authorities we can see is a reflection of our response to the authority that we cannot see. And to think that somehow we can be out from underneath the authorities God has put over us and at the same time be under God's authority is simply not possible. And let me tell you how most of us fall into this trap. This has got to get really close. The more financially successful we become, and the more wealth we accumulate, and the more authority and power that we earn, it seems that we are more prone to fall for this because we begin to feel like, you know, the, the rules are for the small guy. I mean, we're like the cream. We've risen to the top, and we're entitled to some privileges and some rule skipping that others are not entitled to because we've done really well in life. But hang on. For those of you who are saying, amen, that is so true, those rich people, they think they're above the rules. This attitude is as prevalent and maybe even more so in those who struggle financially and have little power and authority because here's why. When people have very little money or very little authority or voice, many times they begin to feel that because they're underprivileged and don't have much going for them financially, they feel entitled as well and feel that they don't have to submit to the rules because they haven't had much of a chance in life. And so they feel they shouldn't get in trouble if they don't follow all the rules and might even happen to break the law. So for those who are successful financially, it's like, hey, I've done for well for myself. Put me up to the front of the line. I deserve it. But for those who don't have a lot of wealth or power, it's like, hey, I don't have much, so I deserve to be put to the front of the line too. And, and we all end up feeling entitled and justified as we ignore laws, rules, and commandments. So Paul is clear. He said, you know, if there are authorities that God has placed over us, maybe like in a company or in your home or in our school or in the government, to rebel against those authorities is like rebelling against our Father in heaven. Paul goes on in verse 3. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. So when we see a cop and we're doing the speed limit, we just smile and wave and say, God bless you, Todd. But for those who do wrong, man, we hit the brakes. Paul goes on and says, do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? And then do what is right, and he will commend you. So if you don't want to live in fear of being caught doing something wrong, just do what's right. Verse 4, for he, and the he here refers to the person in authority, is God's servant to do you good so let me say it this way. Your boss, who may be like so far from God, God's word says he's God's servant or God's agent in your life. And you're going, oh, no, 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 not, not my boss. Yeah, your boss. Our president, listen carefully. Our president, whom we may be far from agreeing with, According to the Bible, he is God's agent in our lives. 
young people, you may not like this, but your parents are God's agent in your life. And you say, Joe, you don't know my parents. My dad gets mad, sometimes hits me or hits my mom. No way is my dad God's agent. But Paul writing this to Christians living in Rome under Nero says God works through human authority, the good ones, the bad ones, and to rebel against the authorities under which God has placed us is the equivalent of rebelling against our Father in heaven. And I think some of you are probably saying, I'm not sure I agree with you, Joe. Of course we don't agree. Because we live in a world where the truth has been distorted. It's all about evaluating the what on a line-by-line basis. Paul goes on and says, but if you do wrong, you better be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So our attitude towards our human authorities is a reflection of our attitude towards our Father in heaven. And if we, this is tough to swallow, this is tough to say, but if we continually bash our boss or bash our authorities here in town or the authorities of our schools or our governmental authorities, Paul would say, that is a reflection of your attitude towards our Father in heaven. So in verse 5, Paul says, therefore, it's necessary to submit. Now, I think Paul is writing this verse because he knows you really well. Um, He knows you're thinking of some excuses, exceptions, and justifications why it's okay to diss our authorities and disregard bad rules and laws. Paul knew that we would look for exceptions. So, therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities... Not only because of possible punishment, which that's, isn't that the reason that most of us do what's right? Isn't that the reason you follow the speed limit? Because you don't want to get a ticket, get points. Um, We don't want to suffer the consequences. But Paul takes this to a whole new level and says, hey, you need to submit to the authorities more than just so you don't get in trouble. You should submit to wicked Nero who douses Christians with tar and sets them on fire. He says, because of conscience sake. So when you're reporting your income tax, you don't just do it so you won't get into trouble. Paul says you do it also because it's a matter of conscience. Why? Because the federal government and our state government, they are agents of God. That doesn't mean they're godly. That doesn't mean they're good. But they have been appointed agents of God. Again, young people, that means when you're taking a test at school and you have an opportunity to cheat and nobody's going to find out, nobody's looking, it's not just about not getting caught. It's a matter of conscience because to cheat the educational system is to cheat God. You know, ultimately, we're we're not just accountable to our dad or our boss or our teacher or the government. We're accountable to God, and, and he has placed us under these authorities. Again, Paul writing this to Christians under wicked Nero, and he's writing this to Christians in America On July 4th, 2021, where many of us would not have much use for the government right now. Well, Paul then gives us an illustration. I don't know why he picked this illustration. I wish you'd have picked something else. But verse 6, this is also why you pay taxes, of all things. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. And I can almost promise you that Christians in Rome said, but Paul, you don't know... 
You don't even know the tax structure in Rome. I mean, it's so unfair. How many of you feel the tax structure is fair in America? I don't think there's anybody in any country that goes, oh, we've got such a beautiful tax system. I I just love our taxes. I love to pay taxes. No, we complain. But Paul's illustration is to help us understand that we pay taxes because, man, I don't know if I can get this out. But because IRS agents are God's servants. It about chokes me up there. It's tough to say. Bible's words, not mine. And just a little context. If you think that the tax structure here seems unfair, I assure you, if you don't pay taxes, do you know what you get, at least initially? You get a letter. My CPA didn't figure my taxes correctly this past March. So a couple of weeks ago, I got a letter true story. It was cordial. There were no threats of seizing my wife or my grandkids. It just said, you owe more taxes. They told me how much, and they tacked on, I think it's $15, $16 as a penalty, and I wrote out a check and sent the check in. Hopefully that's it. So if we don't pay our taxes, or if we misfigure our taxes, at least initially, all we get is a letter. You know what they got in Rome? They got a visit. And it wasn't a friendly visit. I assure you, a letter is better than a visit. Because no matter how upside down you are with the IRS, they will not come and take your wife and your kids and sell them into slavery. But Paul says, Christians in wicked Rome, you pay taxes not because the taxes are just. You pay taxes because the government was established by God. And if you cheat Nero's government, this is what Paul is saying, you're cheating God. Every once in a while, I'll meet someone that claims to be a conservative. I don't know why we've latched onto that word, but conservative Christian. I don't know if that's better than just being a Christian or what, but, but they're a conservative Christian, but they talk about how they haven't filed taxes for years, and they brag on it, say, you know, the tax code is wrong, the government's wrong, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and here's what I think. I think, buddy, you may feel good about standing up against the government and not paying your taxes, but you're doing a horrible job of following the Bible. You, you pay your taxes not because the taxes are fair, not because the government is righteous, not because you agree with everything, but you pay your taxes because IRS agents are representatives of God. Again, tough to say. But when we continually bash and slam and disauthorities, whether it's our local authorities, our state authorities, or our national authorities that God has placed over us, this reflects back on us spiritually. Now, hang with me. We haven't even gotten to the application yet. We're going to go into overtime today. In a moment, we're going to connect the dots and tell how this matter of authority is connected to our series on the distortions of Satan. But before we make the application, let me deal with a couple of questions that some of you are really wanting to ask. I've been reading your minds. Some of you are wanting to ask, okay, Joe, as you say we're supposed to submit to authority, are you saying we should never question authority? Listen to my answer. You should always question authority. 
always. You should always question everything I say. You should fact check me in the Bible. It's okay to question our government. But questioning authority does not give you a license to ignore authority. We need to question authority, but at the same time, we need to stay underneath authority. Yes, there are bad laws. There are bad rules, and things may not be fair. There are a lot of, frankly, there are a lot of laws that favor the rich. But then there is many or maybe more laws that favor the poor. Our system is far from being fair. But for some reason, our Father in heaven allows this system to exist right now. So, always question authority. Which means there may be times to write letters. There may be times to lovingly confront when it's appropriate. And there is always the responsibility of voting. But as you do so, stay underneath authority. You know, one of the common questions that people ask to try to distort the issue and, you know, try to get our minds on something else. And Joe, what, what if a dad asks his son to rob a bank? You know, the dad's the authority. Children, obey your parents. So should he submit? Or, or what if a wife is being subjected to abuse from her husband and and her husband says, don't you dare tell anyone or you will be sorry. Should you submit to the husband in that case? Well, there are examples in the scripture that help us sort through this. When this kind of stuff happens, and it will happen, every once in a while we have someone come forward. A wife or a child talks about some abuse that's going on in the home. But when an authority abuses his authority or works outside the law... What you do is this, simply appeal to the next authority, but you stay under authority. Sometimes in the scripture, people appealed around their families to a legal authority, or sometimes they appeal to a higher legal authority. You can do that in this country. If a husband is abusing his wife and threatens her, beats her and says, don't you dare tell, you'll be sorry. You need to tell. Ladies, you need to tell. Children, you need to tell. You need to appeal to another authority, but stay under authority. Don't go off, take matters in your own hands and shoot him. Appeal to another authority, but stay under authority. If a dad asks his son to rob a bank, bypass the family authority, go to another authority, but stay under authority. Again, don't take matters into your own hands and, and kill them. The Apostle Paul and Daniel were treated unjustly, but they didn't take matters into their own hands. They appealed to a higher authority, but still stayed under authority. Now, with that in mind, here's where we tie this matter of authority to our series. You see, if we live with the distortive concept of well, because I disagree with, disagree with this rule or this law or commandment, I can therefore disregard it. Here's where this is going to come back and haunt you. Listen carefully. What will happen is we will begin to evaluate every rule, every law, every commandment, line by line. 
And we will decide which rules we want to follow, which laws we want to follow, which commandments we want to follow, which we want to disregard. For example, take, take the, the verse, children, obey your parents. Well, as parents, we agree with that verse, don't we? But what if a teenage child, young person, they're starting to really question things, as teenagers do. You did it, we did it, we all did it. They begin to think, you know what, this rule here is unfair. It's out of date. It's irrelevant. And so they evaluate that rule and say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to follow that. I'm not going to stay under that authority. Do you want them as parents, do you want them to be able to pick and choose which rules they follow? No, of course not. See, that's the slippery slope then of, well, beginning to pick and choose. Or, or how about that verse, you know, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Well, some men would say, Joe, I, I'm not sure I can do that. If you only knew my wife, she seems so sweet in public, but she is a whatever at home. And so I'm going to have to disregard that commandment because of her. Or how about the verse, do unto others as you would have them do unto you? Well, the question comes up, which others? You know, I could do good to my neighbor across the street. He's good. But the one down the street, he's a total jerk. And, and I think he's on drugs. I, I'm not sure I can do good to him. So, so we begin evaluating, who is my neighbor? Who is worthy of our being good to them? This rule skipping, this rule breaking is a slippery slope that will undermine not only human authority here on earth, but it will lead to our undermining God's authority. And, and if we're not careful, we will spend our entire life hopping, skipping, jumping through the Bible, picking and choosing what we will follow and what we won't follow simply because we don't want to submit to authority. We want to be the authority. And when we struggle submitting to authorities here on earth, we will probably never fully surrender our life to Jesus Christ. Because we will always be evaluating the commandments. We will say, well, I, I know traditionally, you know, I grew up saying that marriage is between a man and a woman, but I don't know. I, I, you know, our, our entire society couldn't be wrong, could it? We evaluate that. Or we say, yeah, the Bible says to not forsake, uh, you know, gathering together, but I, I just didn't enjoy listening to the live stream. And that way I don't have to see people that are annoying. <laughs> or I know we're supposed to, it says we're supposed to pay our tithe, but, but that church doesn't need, need my money. Or I know it says that we're supposed to forgive, but, but they don't seem to be sorry for what they did to me. You, you see the danger? We begin to pick and choose. That's why we have all of the deviant behavior in our culture today. It goes back to the matter of authority, submitting to authority. And here's the other thing. You don't know how God wants to use the good and the bad authorities in your life to help show you his plan for your life. There's a song by Aaron Schuster. It says, 
I'm not skilled to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. Case in point, this is so powerful. You know, if he'd shown up back in the days when the nation of Israel was in captivity in Egypt and the Egyptian taskmasters were forcing them to build temples and pyramids and here's probably what would have said, we would have said, God, you got to do something. God, you got to do something. Your people should not be obeying these Egyptian taskmasters because they're helping them build pagan temples and idols. They need to rise up and rebel. God, do something. But I think God would say, I am doing something. Well, God, what are you doing? I'm creating a nation. Oh, if you would have shown up at the time when Jesus was on trial, what would you have said? God, you've got to do something. The Pharisees have hired people to lie about him. Now he's been given over to the Roman governor, and this is not going to end well. God, you've got to do something. And I think God would have said, I am doing something. Well, God, what are you doing? I'm saving the world. Oh. You know, that's why it's so important for us as Christians to be the very best citizens in the United States of America. This doesn't mean that we will all agree with everything and we won't ask hard questions. Teenagers, it's not that you should never question your parents. They're going to be wrong sometimes. And frankly, sometimes their attitudes will be rotten. But teenagers, you ought to be respectful sons and daughters, not because you don't have a will, not because you're not smart, not because your parents are always right, but because you understand they're God's agents in your lives. We need to be the most loyal employees, not because we agree with everything about our organization, but for this time and place, we've agreed to work for this company and we will play by the rules, not because they're the best rules, not because the rules are always right, but because we understand that our bosses in some ways are servants of God. But I'm telling you, we've all been taken in by this distortion and the deception at some point or another. But but I want to just say that your attitude and response to the authorities that you can see is a reflection of your attitude and response to your Heavenly Father whom you can't see. So let's wrap up our session today and just remember that God has placed authorities in our lives. At times we will need to question them. At times, we may even need to appeal to a higher authority. But let's stay under authority. And let's make sure that we've submitted to our ultimate authority of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.